E-Tidings Cosmos, Good Morning 21st Century World of Worlds. This is Radio Richard Ireland, coming to you from within the soundproofless studio of life itself. Thormila Falcher Rothensha I am your host, Richard Avera, a self-originating planet art philosopher of the natural kind. Hear this, listener, Give it here your fullness of ear. From the beginning there is breath, and upon that breath there are words. In a vision of the day, overheard an old man to himself say, Why do people do this? Why do people do that? Do this and do that and not the other. Why did they put that sign here and not over there? Why don't they give up on making the same old mistakes year in, year out? Why do they surface roads in the rain? Why didn't they think of that before they're doing it? It defies proper logic, so it does. Have they no sense of tradition at all? Have they no pride, no sense of cultural identity about them? Where has good old-fashioned pure common sense gone? Honestly, I can't understand why they did that. Wouldn't you think now that they would have a bit more wherewithal about them? Who, in their right mind, what committee would sign off on having 80 kilometer per hour speed signs placed on bends in countryside roads? Is there no common sense left in the world? Am I the last logical person left standing? Why must everyone be going about with only a bit of logic? Why isn't there a standard, universal, globally agreed-upon logic? It defies comprehension, so it does. Why? Why doesn't the world think as logically as I do? And I did say unto him, Just as I would have no use for their various kinds of logic, so too would I have no use for yours. Why? for aren't I the most logical-minded person about? And I smiled at him, but I going upon my way. And the sage in the digital age speaks of the philosopher of old, saying, I wonder, he said, how big is the world beyond the island, beyond the bigger island off to its east? I have heard told that there is a huge landmass beyond it, spreading far, far and away into the east. How far to on and on does it stretch into the east, I wonder? Does it go on and on without ever coming to an end? Is east endless? To the west of the island is the great sea. How far to on and on does it roll into the west, I wonder? Does it go on and on without ever coming to an end? Is west endless? I wonder, in some faraway place about some bend, does the great sea and the huge landmass ever shore up to each other? Seeing that, like to the mountains, the sun, moon, and stars are so high up, it could be possible to view from them the far reaches of the landmass and the sea. From the sun, moon, and stars, I would be able to see down here as I see them up there. Sometimes, however, more than sometimes, in truth, quite frequently, I have the very real impression 
that the sun and the stars are not at the same distance as the moon is from me, in the same way as the heights of the mountains are not at all the same distance from the valleys. If that were true, I am, and I am more and more inclined to think that it may very well be, it would mean that, then, that not alone could I view here from the moon, but here and the moon from the sun, and here the moon and the sun from the stars. What a wondrous thought! And as this playful wandering of the mind is so well with me here on the bank of this lovely spring stream, I will even go way out with my thoughts and say that I would be able to view here the moon, the sun and the stars from beyond the stars. Perhaps from beyond there is only more and more from beyond and from beyond. Who knows? But even the beyond and the beyond are meeting up some place. Could here, could this island be such a meeting place? And by onward thinking, could even a person, if we were to consider a person to be a place, also possibly be such a meeting place? In my thoughts, such can be so, and so I am so, a meeting place of beyonds. What a marvelously attractive thought. In today's broadcast, I'll be reading from As You Like It, Tao Dai Jing, and the true classic of Southern Taoist fragrance. This is a reading in continuity from As You Like It. Sweet Phoebe, do not scorn me, do not, Phoebe, say that you love me not, but say not so in bitterness. The common executioner, whose heart the accustomed sight of death makes hard, falls not the axe upon the humble neck, but first begs pardon. Will you sterner be than he that dies and lives by bloody drops? I would not be thy executioner, I fly thee, for I would not injure thee. Thou tellest me there is murder in mine eyes. Tis pretty sure and very probable that eyes that are the frailest and softest things who shut their coward gates on atomies should be called tyrants, butchers, murderers. Now I do frown on thee with all my heart, and if mine eyes can wound, now let them kill thee. Now counterfeit to swoon, why now fall down, or if thou canst not, oh, for shame, for shame, lie not, to say mine eyes are murderers. Now show the wound mine eye had made in thee, scratch thee but with a pin, and there remains some scar of it, lean but upon a rush, and the cicatrice and capable impressure thy palm more some moment keeps. But now mine eyes, which I have darted at thee, hurt thee not, nor, I am sure, there is no force in eyes that can do hurt. O oh, dear Phoebe, if ever, as that ever may be near, you meet in some fresh cheek the power of fantasy, then shall you know the wounds invisible that love's keen arrows make. But till that time, come not thou near me, and when that time comes, afflict me with thy mocks, pity me not, as till that time I shall not pity thee. And why, I pray you, who might be your mother, that you insult, exalt, and all at once over wretched, over the wretched? What though you have no beauty, as by my fate, I see no more in you than without candle may go dark to bed. Must you be therefore proud and pitiless? Why, what means this? Why do you look on me? I see no more in you than in the ordinary of nature's sail-work. 
Oh, my little life, I think she means to tangle my eyes too. No fate, proud missus, hope not after it. "'Tis not your inky brows, your black silk hair, your bugle eyeballs, your nor your cheek of cream that can entame my spirits to your worship. You foolish shepherd, and uh, wherefore do you follow her like foggy south puffing with wind and rain? You are a thousand times a properer man than she a woman. To such fools as you that makes the world full of ill-favoured children. "'Tis not her glass but you that flatters her and out of you she sees herself more proper than any of her linemen's can show her but mistress know yourself down on your knees and thank heaven fasting for a good man's love for i must tell you friendly in your ear sell what you can you are not for all markets cried the man mercy love him take his offer foul is most foul being foul to be a scoffer so take her to thee shepherd fare you well Sweet youth, I pray you, chide ye together. I had rather hear you chide than this man woo. He's fallen in love with your fool foulness, and she'll fall in love with my anger. If it be so, as fast as she answers thee with frowning looks, I'll saucer with bitter words. Why look you upon? So, uh, why look you so upon me? For no ill will I bear you. I pray you, do not fall in love with me, for I am falser than vows made in wine. Besides, I like you not. If you will know my house, tis at the top of olives, olives here hard by. Will you go, sister? Shepherd, ply her heart. Come, sister, shepherdess, look on him better, and be not proud, though all the world could see, none could be so abused in sight as he. Come to our flock. Tao Dai Ching, Installment 37 The Tao's accomplishment is constantly made through acting without the intent to control faith, yet leaving nothing undone. If the kings and queens insist on practicing the Tao, all existence will transform themselves in their natural courses. When they transform and go out of their way, the kings and queens should guide them back to a pristine simplicity which was unknown to the world before. Namely, the pristine simplicity of being desireless. To be desireless is cultivated by being still. It is by this stillness that this world is settled down in peace naturally. This is an interpretation, after my own fashioning, of some lines from the true classic of Southern Taoist fragrance. No three-star visitor spoke to me, saying, Humaculate what stories, what anecdotes, what insights do you bring to this new dawn? A sage and a queen of the Fermanagh Landry were having a conversation, and the queen asked, how were the sages of old when it came to the observation of things? They practiced the art of repetitive observation, Your Majesty. How so do you mean? Well, they would observe things, Your Majesty, seemingly to be the same, over and over again. In the summer days, for instance, when a fly would, say, come flying by their way, they would observe all its movements as it flew around and alighted momentarily here and there. 
Should another fly come by some time later, they would repeat the observation. And the same they would do every day throughout the summer when flies would appear before their eyes. What was the point of repetitively observing the same actions? To become, Your Majesty, a hundred times more efficient at observing. In-depth and detailed observation is a level of observation that has to be worked at, has to be achieved. Anyone can casually observe anything, such as the pathways in the air of a fly, but few can observe such actions seen by scene. Yesterday morn, when I, with sitting on my balcony, a fly came and before my eyes remained hovering. Expecting it at any moment I was to fly on by or way off, but it instead remained there hovering about a hand palm out before my eyes. It had the appearance like unto any an ordinary housefly, but it was slightly smaller and wasn't behaving like any other housefly I had ever seen for it continually hovered. Sometimes it would drop in altitude, sometimes elevate. So swift was this changing of location in the air that I was scarcely able to catch its swiftness. It never flew like other flies do. It hovered all the while, moving along ever so slowly. A number of times it came directly before my face, at my eye level, and would remain there hovering away as if it was looking at me with the greatest of detail, taking in every contour of my face and eyes. When I slowly stood up, it rose with me synchronously, and with still staying at a palm, a hand palm before my face. This was amazing to me. When I would walk around, as if following, I following it, it would move ever so slowly before me. Sometimes it would be directly above me, and I could clearly see its underside. It's strange at such moments it would appear in glimpses to me to be circular in shape. But how could that be, I thought to myself. It couldn't be, yet was it was surely. Sometimes it was hovering low enough that I could look down on it, and clearly see its back, and strange too at such moments. It would appear in glimpses to me to be triangular in shape. But how could that be, I thought to myself. It couldn't be, yet was it was, surely. Its wings appeared to be almost motionless in the swiftness of their movement. I tried to listen to the sounds of them, but no sound was I able to hear. For several minutes did it remain with me, and I greatly enjoyed watching it and observing it. Then a strange thing, a disturbingly surprising thing, happened in that out of nowhere an ordinary regular housefly came and seemingly attacked it in its hovering there before my eyes. I was taken aback. It knocked it to the floor. I knelt down to see if it was all right. For a few minutes it remains motionless there on the floor, with its wings tucked in by its sides. Then in a moment I observed it ever so faintly glow before slowly opening out its wings, and instead of flying off, it directly rose to the level of my eyes and hovered out there before me. It remained hovering there for some time before eventually hovering away into the sky, and I was no longer able to see it. 
What do you make of this exceptional fly? A repetitive wonderment, Your Majesty. And why do you think the ordinary housefly seemingly attacked it? Who knows, Your Majesty? Perhaps it considered it an invader of its airspace. The sky is broad and high enough, surely, for both the ordinary and the extraordinary flyer bird to fly in it, is it not? It is indeed, Your Majesty, for the air is of a big space. In a dawn reverie of this new day, meditated I on what an immortal self of mine did say, did lovingly relay way back in days of long, long, long gone by. O mortal self of mine, when with living in your own realm and time, you will be a hiding place for yourself. Therein preserve yourself, you will, from troublesome interpretations of reality. All right, I will leave it at that for today. Enjoy taking very good care of yourself and those around you. Be ever so grateful for your many blessings. And spare a thought, too, for peoples living in faraway places, in all different kinds of situations, often very difficult and not at all of their own making. You have been listening to a planet art philosopher of the natural kind bringing radio to the Internet via Radio Richard Island. The script format of today's broadcast will be available at a future date on AuthenticClosetDramaScripts.com It is truly an honor to have you listening. It is more than a voice in your ear. There is power in listening, more than a phrase in your eye. Insight there is in reading. Enjoy both and please do spread the word. Thank you ever so much, Richard. May you be a blessing unto yourself by way of your past, by way of your present and by way of your future. Sloan, August Benachtland.